Hello, welcome to FASD Family Life. Um, I've got my wonderful friends with me today, and they are mama bears, fierce advocates, and podcasters in this world of FASD. We are the women of FASD podcasting, and today we are just doing real talk, real lives, and we're going to get after it. Right now, I'm going to say, hey, Claire, how has hurricane season been for you, metaphorically? Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Um Hurricane season, so there'll be a lot of people listening to that thinking, I didn't think they had hurricanes in the UK. Um, well, you do if you're in a family with FS, FASD. Yeah, you do. Uh, hurricane season for us is the run up to Christmas, New Year, and then my three kids' birthdays all in quick succession. And it is just an overload of everything. And this year has actually been incredible. We're not out of it yet. Probably got one tiny little one left probably going to be more of a just a few windy days maybe um that's what I'm hoping for um but it's been it has been remarkable and it has filled me with hope it has exhausted me to the point where I could just stop mid-sentence now and go to sleep in about three (laughs) seconds flat (laughs) so true but when you can see that it's paying off you just pull that strength from somewhere. So, you know, it's, it has been, I think it's awful in some respects to think that you need to be braced for Christmas. You need to be braced for New Year, braced for birthdays. Because as a mother, they're the, they're the times that you just think, oh, this is, this is lovely. This is, this is the highlight of parenthood. All these lovely big, Christmas Day and family gatherings and birthdays. Oh no, not 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 in our world, not for our kids. It's, it's you know they are the ones who find it difficult. So in turn, it's difficult for us to navigate them through that. Um, and I think for years I underestimated. I didn't I didn't realize it was happening. Other than this mindset of you know I can't believe how they've behaved. This, this big birthday party, all of these people here. And when I look back now, knowing what I know, I think, I don't know how you survived. I don't know how you actually survived. You were so idiotic in some of the things you put your kids through, thinking that this is what you did and this is what everyone else is doing at school. So we've got to do this and thinking, well, why, well, my, why can't my kids cope with this? So I think I have, I have paid back. I've, I've pruned and pruned and pruned and I've become ruthless and fearless. Um, and probably so tired that it's reached the point where I think I really don't care what anybody thinks about what I'm doing because this is survival this is survival and what for a few years has been survival and, and making the best of a situation this year turned into utter joy just utter utter joy it it was the most gorgeous time I think because it was so unexpected um and you know it's just made me really realize that if you keep chipping away and you feel like you might not be getting anywhere you know follow your good keep chipping away and all of a sudden when it's totally unexpected but and I think the key what I found was I I had everything planned for Christmas. So Christmas Day in particular, I had everything planned for how we've done it the last four years, which is very, very low key. No big Christmas dinner. I have pancakes for Christmas dinner. 
um, and nobody is expected. People don't want to come out of the room. They don't come out of the room. It, what, just however we get through that day, we'll get through that day. And I went into it with that plan in mind. And it was actually two out of three of the kids who said, can we, are we, are we having Christmas dinner? Are we, are we going to do, oh, can we have pancakes now? And then can we have like a real, real Christmas dinner later? Yes. Thankfully I was prepared for that. You know, so I ended up sitting, sitting, eating, um, you know, Christmas dinner when I, none of it was planned. I didn't expect any of it. And I think that made it even nicer that it was absolutely there. There was no pressure at all from me. And it's not, it's taken me a long time of grieving. We touched on that before we, we hit record. It's taken a long time of grieving, but also having the, the, the patience to think it doesn't really matter what the outcome is. I know I'm doing the right thing. And the right outcome, like it's kind of letting go of the outcome, but just knowing that I'm 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 going at a pace that they need and being led by them. And it's not me being an indulgent parent at all, but it can sometimes really look like that. You know, an example of where you might think, you know, in the past grandparents might have called or or extended family might have called to the house and wanting to be making a big fuss on Christmas Day and you know if you do manage to force whoever's struggling out of the bedroom because that's that's what they should do because that's respectful and that's you there your grandparents this is what you should do this is me this is how me feeling this not that that would ever come from my my parents but now to I have I have been so fierce with my boundaries on their behalf that there's just no expectation from anyone and because what used to make me uncomfortable and make me sad was you know where's the oh is he not coming down where is he is he where is he was he oh what's oh is he not coming down oh and I and that used to have a big knot in my stomach and thinking like where now there's my family have come to know that whatever it is that I'm doing it is without question what my kids need at that time and they just don't you just go with it. But that's taken us a good decade to get to. I was um, just thinking that sounds yeah. like a decade's worth yeah. of work. It has been. It day has in, been. day out, hour by hour, relentless. Um, you know, and I can't remember, uh, you know, a winter, so January, February, where I haven't felt physically ill with exhaustion, physically ill. And, I've, and, and it's just lovely. <laughs> and I know, yeah, I know you think, well, oh, is that to be celebrated? The fact that you're not physically ill and on your knees? Yes, it is. Because that's where I've been for years and years and years. Um, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, so so in, in general, hurricane season has been very mild, very, very mild. Um, but I will absolutely be braced next year. I'm not going to rest on my laurels. I'll be braced next year. Um, uh, you know, I think this year up front, I learned so much from last year, which was really, really, really difficult. And I and I put them through a lot, not realising it. And, and, and that's sometimes hard, I think, when you're in our line of work. And I kind of, I pride myself in knowing a lot. 
And then to realize that I've been putting them in a, a really difficult situation not, and, not, and not realizing it. So this year, there was absolutely no expectation of anyone to wait until Christmas Day for presents. If, if It felt like it was becoming a bit of a challenge. Um, and it was only, only kind of, I think it was Christmas Eve, one of uh, my biggest boy, he got his main present. Um, and he was able to talk to me about the fact that how last year it had been so much more difficult and he couldn't cope with the pressure of the run up to knowing he's getting his game in PC. And that's just what he, he was desperate to be on it. And this time it was a new iPhone. Um, and, you know, we had the conversation and I just said, you know, it's insured. We know that you never smash it on purpose, ever. If it gets smashed, it gets smashed. It's insured. We saw it. So, you know, because there's this, you would all, if you ever hand him anything new, you'll go, I'm going to really try not to break this. And, and, and that is like somebody with epilepsy saying, I'm going to really try not to have a seizure. Really try my best not to let you down. And your response would be, that is never letting me down. You would never let me down. You make yourself ill if you're trying to bottle all that inside. And it's, you know, I think, you know, a few years ago, I didn't feel that way. And I did, you know, I did feel, I can't believe how ungrateful you are. You've smashed another phone. You've smashed another iPad. You've smashed your television, smashed your brother's head you know, all of that. But now I understand them so much better. And um, and I think, you know, I'm not going to lie, though. It is, I have had to hand my entire life over to them. My entire life, every yeah. aspect of it, yeah. every aspect of it, every waking moment, it, I've had to hand it all over to them. So I don't... What I have noticed is, yes, there's been huge wins and huge improvements, but this probably at least the last six months has meant not a second of respite time for me. Not 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 a minute, not not an overnight to myself, like to myself, not a full night's sleep, nothing. Um and in the past, I think I was I used to get really quite resentful when be perfectly honest I get used to get really resentful about that but actually I think I don't know you know when you've got a a brand new baby and at first they're a bit when you're not getting anything back it's a little bit more difficult I think it's a very similar to that I'm starting to see how that they how they are benefiting from this intense intervention that I'm I'm able to give them constantly and so I think, you know, if, if I calculate this right, you know, if I, what would I rather do? Hand over everything now for a few years to be able to have some time in the future that they're not so dependent on me or think, no, I'm, I, I'm, I want my life to myself. I need some time to myself and have time away from them, knowing that I'm going to be taking, they're going to be taking four steps back each time even though we've, we've just taken 10 steps forwards together. So I think I've made my peace with that. And maybe that's played a huge part in why hurricane season was as smooth as it was. Yes, absolutely. I connect with that so much, but we'll save me for later. 
we have Natalie Vecchione here from FASD Hope. Natalie, how's, how's it going, Mama? So thank you for having me, ladies. It's wonderful to be with you. And we are two months in the interdependence experiment. And it's interesting, Claire, I'm hearing everything you're saying. And it's interesting because that was us for so many years, just, you know, creating that safety around the triggers, around the seasons and everything. And we were planning on building the tiny house and everything. And then our son said, no, I don't want to live here anymore. And so we were talking about plot twists before we started recording. And this was last fall. He was like, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to be a carpentry apprentice. So we're like, okay, pivot. Here we go. And we pivoted and he is uh, living in an apartment uh, less than an hour from here with, with two, with his best friend and his best friend's brother. And uh, who are both very, uh, they're very FASD understanding. They, they, um, one of them has a neurodiversity as well and their understanding. I, I don't think I could have asked for better roommates for our son, um, but he's experiencing life now and life is hard. And when you go from those late teens to, you know, he'll be 20 this year. And we were talking, there's that grief of, okay, I, I'm not able to do this or I can't do this. And he's learning that. And even though he's not living at home, it's funny because everybody asks, how is, how is it? What's it like? Not, you know, and, and I wish I could say it's respite, but some, it depends on the day. Some days you wake up and there have been no FaceTimes or calls in the middle of the night. And you're like, okay, that's good. Um, and then some days, like, you know, the past few days, it's, it's like, you don't make it through the night without three FaceTimes or three calls. And you're, I I used to call it hostage negotiation where you're like negotiating with, with their brain saying, okay, this is, you know, you're trying to just talk them through that, um, that hurricane, like Claire's saying, you're trying to talk them through that storm. And, um, so some days have been beautiful and Claire, like you've said, I, I've, my husband reminds me to embrace and celebrate those unexpected victories and we're doing that and, and we're having those. So I know that that's good. Uh, and then some days I feel like we're taking five steps backwards. Uh, and, um, However, he's made more progress in the past two months than he has in like the past three years. He is working for a company that's extremely accommodating. They, they have put so many accommodations in place and he, he loves when his brain lets him go there. And I'm just going to say it just like that because that's really how it is. When his brain lets him go to work, it's fantastic. They support him. He loves it. He's helpful. He's getting, you know, praise and compliments. However, like today and other days, there's days where his brain just, nope, not going to do it today. And that's where we've created this bubble, like Claire said, but that's where I worry, okay, is he going to lose his job because his brain's not going to let him go to work today? And, And that's where I, like Claire, I have to say, okay, you know what? I got to have hope and I got to push through this. 
and I'm going to learn from this. So, so we're at like, if this were a video game, we're like at level two or level three, you know, we, we're, we're up a level, but oh, the level's hard, you know, and oh, okay, more is at stake. Like, okay, rent, living, food, <laughs> you know, it's working. So I think for us, these past two months have had a lot of unexpected victories and, and I've celebrated them. And we know the three of us, you know, and, and Jessica knows also um, that when you're in this FASD community, the victories we celebrate are much different than the neurotypical victories, you know? So we have to recognize those victories as they happen. Um, so it, it's been a big learning experience for me. Um, today, I'm just really tired because we just very tough, tough night. And again, the the old me, you know, listening to Claire talk, the, the me of a decade ago would have been like, oh, well, you know, he's just going to have to blah, blah, blah. No, you still have to accommodate when they're not home. You still have to uh, put the supportive measures in place. Um I think one of the things that I've learned just to give everybody a heads up, if your kid is ready to have like an interdependent launch and Robbie, I know you, you, you definitely have probably experienced that this when they're out of the house. And when you have those days that you can breathe, like you can take a breath rather than gulp a breath. Um, those, those, I like to call them those brainstorms when they happen. Maybe it's just because I'm old, <laughs> but it seems like it like hits you harder. I'm like, ooh, oh, I physically, like Claire said, I physically hurt from that, you know? So I don't know if it's maybe because, you know, your child is out of the house and then something unexpected comes along. It's like, oh, we got to drop everything. And, and so I don't know if that's harder than living in it every day and not having the break, because when you have the break, it's like, Oh, this is what it feels like. And then bam, you know, you, you, you you face plant into something and, and it's painful. So I I could imagine that because I'm trying to picture that and it's like you, you're constantly in high alerts, you're constantly in your adrenaline and that's your comfort zone. And that's where you are. And you fire on all cylinders there. It's completely unhealthy. It's completely unsustainable. However, it's where we live. Yes. I can just imagine how exhausted it's going to feel adrenaline dropping and oh oh no nothing's nothing's gone catastrophically wrong and oh and then it has <laughs> yeah yes yeah. I think I might rather be constantly in the highest <laughs> way, to be honest yeah yeah I can speak to uh you know that sudden plot twist when you know you've done you've done the hard work and um and then something dramatic happens and, and then you get triggered right back to your previous trauma responses. And that's that adrenaline kick in and that's your brain firing on all 12 cylinders at the same time. And you're working the problem and you're, you're just going all of a sudden you were in rest state and now you're in um, my house is on fire state and I've got to save everything. Um, that's very disorienting. I've, I've been there and, uh, living in panic like that is so unhealthy. And really that's when we sometimes too will make rash 
or maybe it's just me, make rash decisions that send everybody else a little crazy. You know, I've done that kind of thing where I get a trauma response back from something that happened 10 years ago. And then my body, without me recognizing my body and brain, went into executing everything I needed to execute 10 years ago when that was a right fit then and it's not a right fit now. What I'm hearing from both of you is, holy man, this is a lot of hard work every single day. And it is, and I recognize that. And safety measures upon safety measures, and then still the cat gets through the fence to protect our kids, to give them some time to grow and to mature. Because we know there's growth, we know there's maturity, but we also know it's about a decade behind. So that's the long view. Have you had the experience where, you know, you know, you've got your kid in the right setting. Maybe it's the, the accommodations at school and, and it's a good fit or the accommodations at work or in a sports team and you see where your kid is. And then do you have a grief moment? I was shocked by a grief moment I had. And that's what sparked me to email you both and invite you to the podcast is what do you do when you feel that grief? For me, to share a little bit what it was is my son is very athletic. And, and he's a young teen and he can no longer, um, he's, he's physically capable of being on an elite soccer team or football team, as you'd say in the UK, he's, he's capable of being on an elite team. However, his brain isn't that reliable for him. And he's also physically exhausted. So he can't actually stay up late enough at night to be on the team because he can't make the practices. So we missed soccer for a few years, which is really difficult because that's his identity. That's where he finds pride. I found a place for him within the Special Olympics community, which is beautiful. And I'm so grateful. And last week, I sat there in the stands watching him uh, participate in this community. And I felt sad. Have you all been there? Natalie, shaking your head. Natalie, go, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I, I sat in on my son's job interview and the store manager's amazing and explained her, she understands neurodiversity and explaining to her, you know, listening to him advocate for himself and explaining to her and thinking I should be so excited right now. And I was, but at the same time I was feeling grief, like this is just the beginning, you know, and, and I felt like, you know, oh, I think a lot of it too, is that we, unfortunately, our society just, no matter where you are in, in the earth, that our societies tend to just focus on that. Well, this is the typical celebration. This is what everybody wants to do, that kind of thing. And uh, this is, you know, hey, graduated from high school, college, whatever, and I'm thinking he got his first real job and, and yet I have to be here, you know, to, to make sure that he is sharing what his needs are. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I have experienced that. And, um, I think also experiencing, um, that shortly after he finished homeschool, maybe a year after he finished homeschool, just seeing all of his friends either launch into the military or into college or whatever and him being here in that stall mode that was really hard um now he's he's not in that stall mode but again his brain like you said Robbie his brain like for today for example his brain wouldn't he couldn't go to work today his brain and his body because we that's I'm glad you bring this up Robbie because 
I know all three of us, we talk about this. We talk about the brain component of this diagnosis of FASD, but we also recognize there are over 400 medical conditions that go with it. And that's something we grieve too. Like not only was I grieving that his brain wouldn't let him go to work today, but his body wouldn't because he didn't get any sleep last night. And he was able to communicate it to his, his boss and they were understanding this and no problem come in on your next day, which again, I'm so thankful for it. But then I have that bittersweet grief of, oh, you know, why, why? Or so, is yeah. this what it's going to be? Yeah. It's like you look at it and go, oh, is this yeah. what it's going to be? I'm at a beginning stage with this adolescent and, and in this special Olympics, which, which I also celebrate that I think we might have a community here mm-hmm. for a long, long time. So that's hopeful. And, um, and you are at the beginning of this early adulthood. And we know, all of us know from speaking with adults who have FASD, and I'm talking those who are 30 and plus, like they're standing pretty good on their own. Like they still have supports, but they're far more competent than our teens or our 20 year olds. And so we have to hold on to that. We have to acknowledge how hard it is, but we can also hold on to that hope as well. I think one one of the hardest things for me is watching over the years, how the sleep, the whole sleep pattern and lack of sleep and having no control over sleep has impacted on so much, especially for my boys with sports that real rugby players loved rugby. And it was such a brilliant, brilliant release for them. And then to the point where you know physically not able to manage it or then you know get to sleep three hours before it's meant to start and not able to go uh, a few months ago one of my boys when would were kind of in the middle of a about a 20 odd hour spell away and he was getting really frustrated because he just he desperately wanted to go to sleep and he couldn't go to sleep and I, I watched I watched it dawn on him before he, he then verbalized it and he said how how will I do a job? Mm-hmm. Oh, I felt sick. Mm-hmm. And I just said, "Well, you will because we'll get the right we'll get the right shift pattern to match what you need." So that's not an issue. But that that was then me awake for the rest of the night with a knot in my stomach, thinking, "Oh, how do I create him a job? How do I create jobs for them?" So that you know, it's and it's not a case of it's got nothing to do with money and thinking. You know, how do I create an income for them? It's how do I, yes, brilliantly clever kids who are unable, the potential is massive, but they're unable to tap into it because the only systems that allow them to tap into those exams and do them at this time, they can't fit into that system. So they're on, they're on the the, the outside of it. And it's just, I think it takes you at the moment, like I wasn't expecting to have a moment like that in the middle of the night with him about, at 14 about what about when I get a job what if I can't wake up for a job you know and it's Mm -hmm. being faced because quite often at the same time it's hitting them it's it's hitting you but you've got to be come up with a a response that doesn't trigger anything that tries to keep the adrenaline as far down the scale as possible and it's just it's really really hard um because the thing is, I do know with absolute certainty that it will work out for them in, in the way that it's meant to work out for them. Because though there are so many, there are so many of our peers who we went to school with who will have had FASD that whole time. And and yeah, life might be might have been really tricky for them, 
but they will manage and they will find their path in life. It's just the uncertainty, especially when you're surrounded by like fellow mothers of kids the same age as you, who you befriended at school and you were, and when things are, when, when they're small, it's so much easier. It's um, getting provisional driving you know, licenses. It's starting driving lessons. It's getting cars. It's looking at universities. It's doing exams and you just don't belong of that anymore. Um, You know, and, my kids probably think, oh, thank God, we don't belong with any of that. We're not ready for that. But me, it you know, it does make me really sad that, I, you know, and you're so happy for the people around you with children the same age as you when it's like, oh, passed the driving test, got a car, got the place to uni and you think, oh, it's dead exciting and they're about to start their lives. But you'd be lying if you said that it didn't break your heart at the same time thinking like, oh what's our path going to look like and I think it's so unknown isn't it you know that it'll be filled with wonderful moments just the same as a, a you know a neurotypical young person's life who's going off on the driving test university path they will have downsides as well as as all the wonderful bits so it's it balances itself out it's just I think with us we have got even more of the unknown haven't we Every, nobody knows how things are going to pan out what we do know is that our roller coaster is going off on a on a completely different path. And that's about as much as we know. We don't <laughs> know if it's gonna be we don't know if it's a water ride, we don't know if it's gonna be dark, we have absolutely no idea what's coming, and we've got to be prepared for all of this. And we have to sleep at night. How how do we do, how do we do that? <laughs> I will probably have to get away so like probably another 10 minutes because text messages oh yeah it's that kind of day okay so how should we wrap this up then where should we go from here we've talked about the grief we've talked about Natalie any ideas where we go from here well I was on hope you know me yeah let's go on hope (laughs) okay let's go there so Natalie what's our hope takeaway for this episode I think our hope takeaway can be that we're giving each other hope takeaways Robbie, you give me hope takeaway in the celebrations that you're having with your older daughter and knowing what you went through with your older daughter. You're, that gives me a hope takeaway saying, even if the road gets very dark, it can still come back to being light. Claire, my hope takeaway that I'm getting from you is that even when you don't think you have any more strength for this journey, you do. It's just, you got to dig deep and get it. And then when you find it, you're like, yeah, I still have some. So my hope takeaway is I'm getting hope from you both because you both are on the same roller coaster, water ride, you know, knife throwing experiment. I don't know. (laughs) Some days it's like all at once. But again, I find hope in you all. You know, and I know Jessica's not here, but when Jessica's here, you know, you all give me hope because you you give me this tribe and this safe place that I can go to and say, hey, I've had a really rough night. Let me tell you why. And no judgment, you know, and I think that maybe for anyone listening out there, find your tribe. We've said it before, because I think your tribe can give you hope, especially when you don't know where you're going to get it. We need community and the community has to be living a similar life because like Claire was just saying, if our community were the friends that we made 
10 years ago with the moms on the playground, um, our lives don't match up anymore. And, and it's, it feels devastating. You celebrate with them the growth of their children and the new skills they're acquiring. And then we look at ours and ours are also developing new skills and new abilities, but different. And our paths look very different. And so, you know, now that where my kids are and for many years now, I have changed who it is I spent time with. And my friends are exclusively parents who are raising children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and trauma. I have acquaintances and people I love, like in my family and stuff. I have people I know and I love, but that's not who I spend my time with. And that's not who I text when I'm heartbroken. Who I text when I'm heartbroken is my mom group or Natalie. <laughs> Natalie, Nat, Natalie and I have also become friends. And we Robbie just- has the green heart. I have the purple heart. Yeah. <laughs> so I know when Robbie green hearts me, it's Robbie and I purple heart. It's, it's, it's yeah. Because we can't do this alone. And it's not just talking to other parents who are raising children with FASD. It's talking to the parents who are raising children with FASD, who have a brain-based approach, and who are looking at creative ways of moving forward. If, If people are not willing to learn or not able to learn, and they're stuck in that negativity, I can't be there. I will lose my mental health and I will lose hope. I have to be with people who also believe that there's hope and who also know that when we meet our kids with a brain-based approach, with trauma-informed attachment care, um, then we can really change things in our family life. And we give our kids the space and the grace to grow. Oh, I love that. Robbie. Because, space and grace. I love that. It just that. came there. It just I fell out. <laughs> I think it's so important what you touched on, Robbie, that we need to, you need, if, if any, any parents or caregivers listening to this who are struggling, the most important thing you can do for your kids is to round, to surround yourself with the right people. And those people need to be, in the arena with you, the need to understand what you're up against, what you're trying to achieve, what you've got to achieve that, you know, what, what tools you've got. And otherwise they, they can't, with all the best will in the world, they can't help you in a way that you need to be helped. And I think what what my little hurricane season this year has taught me is um, I absolutely can change things for my kids and four or five years ago I didn't believe that was possible at all I can change the way their lives are going to go and I have proven that to myself and it has filled me with such excitement to think that what if I just keep going keep going keep putting this hard slog in keep being consistent and I'm not saying I get it right I get it wrong more than I get it right still but I'm always coming from the same angle um and I think that's really filled me with a massive amount of hope um and I am a pretty hopeful optimistic positive person anyway but this is really and I think it's given us a bit of a um a lovely surprise and it's always lovely to be surprised in a good way and say oh wow look, look what you've done look what's happening and to think imagine what it can look like next year and the year after and the year after and it's just lovely for that not to be daunting and I, I genuinely, it doesn't feel daunting because I think if I've survived 100% of what's happened up till now, I'm not really scared of anything anymore. And I'm just excited going, exactly, exactly. I think what this teaches us too. So when we understand FASD broadly and then our kids specifically, mm-hmm. and then we get these experiences of 
oh, I'm learning and I'm doing and I'm, and I'm creating the right environment. And now my kids are flourishing. That also gives us confidence. So when the next plot twist happens, I've got this. I've got the skills and I have people I can ask. I don't have to be perfect and I don't have to know everything. I can ask, hey, Natalie, you know, where did you look for work? What worked for you? What were the setups? Um, Claire, what worked for you at school? What were the setups? You know, how did you, how did you advocate for your daughter at school? And we can learn from one another, but we can also trust ourselves and the skills we've developed. Definitely. And so all the moms, dads, care, care workers that are listening to us, keep going. All these baby steps you're taking and all these small wins and the failures, we learn a lot from our own failures. All these baby steps we're taking in time, and I mean in a lot of time, we can look back over our shoulder and go, oh my gosh, look where we've come from. Look how far we've come. That's my hope takeaway. Thank you both for being here with me and encouraging my mother's heart that gets a little gloomy some days, but it's mostly filled with hope and optimism. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you. Thank you so much.